0: What's up, y'all? This is another episode of the Brevity Code Podcast. Today, my guest is NHL player Kevin Bieksa. Um, He is a 13-year veteran in the NHL. Uh, He's played with the uh, Canucks and most recently with the Ducks. Um, He is a very interesting guy. We talk about everything from his love of actually fighting to what he's been up to lately and training and a whole bunch of good lessons learned from Kevin. So I hope you enjoy today's show. On the Brevity Code podcast, we'll explore a wide range of topics from the very people that give form and color to our world. We'll hear from artists, brand builders, industry leaders, pro athletes, fitness and endurance coaches, philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and many others. Through their actions, they enrich us with their vision, creativity, and bravery. Our guests have all been successful by flying in the face of conventional wisdom. We'll learn from them the ways in which we can apply that very knowledge to our own path and toward our own self-fulfillment. All right, welcome to the show today, Kevin Biexa. What's up, Kevin? How you been, man? Good, man. How are you? Doing good. So jumping right in, like... You know, you're you're 37, right? Barely, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm 37. Thanks for the clarification. Um, and officially retired from the NHL, so obviously it's 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 been a lifetime um, for you, starting at a very young age. Is it? How does it feel now to, to to be a bit disconnected from the the franchise, or are you still active in the business, or what's it what's it look like for you on on the daily?
1: Well, quickly, just a quick correction. I haven't actually officially retired, from, oh. from, which is actually a big deal because a lot of guys and a lot of friends that I've played with announced their retirement in this past summer. So for them, it's clear cut. They're officially retired. They've transitioned on to new and uh, bigger and better things, so to speak. But I haven't because I've kind of left the door open and kind of blazing my own trail kind of thing. Um, I haven't said no to coming back and playing. I've actually had some contact with some teams, and uh, I most recently played in a tournament at Christmas uh, for Team Canada. So I left myself the door open for opportunities like that. So day-to-day, I mean, it's uh, I'm still training every day to, like we said, leave those, those options open. And I'm coaching my son, so I'm kind of a part-time hockey coach. I'm doing some broadcasting on the side that we'll probably talk about in a little bit more. So I'm, I'm definitely busy
0: day-to-day. Yeah, so you're maintaining the discipline right now, right? So you're you're staying in proper game shape. No beers on the side. No no vino at dinner. How's that working? Well, I didn't say that. I didn't say that.
1: <laughs> but I don't know. You probably know this, but I've always been kind of. Um, I mean, not to advocate it, but I've always been a little bit more of a binge drinker. Like I can go in the sense that I can go four weeks without a sip of alcohol and be fine with that. And then if I'm going out for dinner for, for with friends like you guys and you're paying. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll drink two or three bottles.
0: <laughs> nice. So, but I, uh, I assume that the binge drinking is not happening right now, right? You're, you're, uh, you're on, uh, you're on game form. So
1: there are few and far between. Yeah. Right. So like, I mean, there, haven't, there just hasn't been many opportunities. My wife doesn't really drink. So yeah, like drinking is not a big part of my life.
0: Yeah, no, no. So. It, so, how long will you give yourself in this window where you're keeping the door open, where you're you're maintaining your shape? You've not officially announced your retirement. Like, how long will you will you sort of be in this um, area of ambiguity? Ambi- yeah. Ambiguity. Ambiguity. Uh, ambiguity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm 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 kind of overlapping with a couple things because I'm I'm competing in these Spartan races, which are like these obstacle course runs. I did one in the fall, so I was training kind of for that simultaneously with training for a possible, you know, another opportunity in hockey. And now I'm supposed to be doing another one in March. So training's always been a part of my life, and it's it's easy for me. Like, I just feel like it's just you go into the gym, you do your thing, and you just don't have to worry about anything else. So for me, it's almost like a safe haven to wake up every day, to get into my routine, to run, to bike, to lift weights. I yeah. just, it just makes my life feel complete so yeah i think i'll always continue to do it but right now i'm more focused on this race ahead and then a possible comeback for you know the trade deadline for the nhl is coming up so most likely i won't be playing in the nhl again this year but i haven't left out uh, yeah. you know returning next year and i've had a lot of teams in europe that i could go to next year as well so i'm leaving my options open
0: yeah it's awesome um are you concerned? And is there any clause in your contract that forbids you from doing things like Spartan? Because can't I mean, you could, you could, you know, contract staff from those cesspools that you're you know diving over the wall in, or twist an ankle. I mean, God forbid any of that happens. But are you is that is that a concern? or are you just you don't think about that, or is this for fun or charity? Or I didn't no, know it's, this.
1: It's, yeah, well, I don't uh, I don't have a contract right now. I'm not, I don't have a contract under any team, so uh, I don't really have a whole lot to worry about from that aspect, but yeah, there's certainly like dangers involved in doing the Spartan races, and there's just running in mud for 25% of the race. You could easily twist an ankle or, you know, yeah. twist a knee, break a leg. That's, that's part of it, and there's a little bit of me that kind of was worried about that before, but I'm going to kind of just commit to something, attack it. Kind of guy, so I mean, once I do something, I kind of don't look back.
0: And what distance are you doing? The first one I did
1: the sprints, which I think is going to be the hardest, and it was five miles and twenty-five obstacles. The next one is going to be, I think, an eight to ten miler, and then the last one will be like a twelve to fourteen miler with with obstacles, which makes it almost twice as long than if you were just to go run
0: it. Yeah, so being you know being a professional athlete, there, um, do you have expectations on yourself, like? Hey, man, I can't get beat by an average Joe. Like, are you trying to podium this thing for age group? Are you trying to win it outright? Like, what, what is your, what's the mindset when you approach the race from a gamer standpoint?
1: Well, the first one we did in the fall, and it was in Dallas. It was with my, my two best buddies and then a really good friend from out here. So it was more of a, like, a coming together to see each other, because we all live in different cities, and then give you something kind of to train for, and then we would get together, we would do the race, we would feel a sense of accomplishment, and then we go for dinner and drink lots of drinks and beers and wine and all that. So it was more like the experience, right? But then when I get there, my buddies who I grew up with and played hockey with my whole life were telling me that you have to try to win this thing. And I'm like, well, <laughs> no like, pressure. Because I've always had a good, like a good reputation for fitness. Sure. And I've always been. I've won a lot of races and things like that before. And I'm like, well, it's a first time thing. I don't know what the protocol is. I don't know the obstacles, the course, whatever. So I kind of was going to just kind of learn and take my time going through it and, and basically see, you know, what it's all about. And then maybe in the future. Well, I, I didn't realize it. We started at the back and I, you know, behind everybody. And I kind of took my time at the start. I ended up coming sixth overall. So wow.
0: And that's I, I starting like way back in the corral. We st-
1: we started in our block of 70 people. We're at the very back of the corral. So you had to wait to pass people. Yeah. just no room on the corral. nowhere to so, go. Yeah. That coupled with coming to obstacles, and I was chatting with the uh, volunteers of the obstacles, just making sure I did them right because I didn't want to do the the thirty burpee penalty. Right. Was a big deal. Right. So there, there, I left some time on the course, is what I'm saying. Yep. And, uh, maybe we didn't sleep as much as we should have the night before, <laughs> just which <saying>. also <laughs> could have helped. Maybe that helped, right?
0: <laughs> so, and that was a sprint. I take it.
1: That was the sprint. So the next one, if we do the sprint on the next one, I'm trying to convince the guys to do the next one. The sprint, I'll definitely try to go out and, and run. But yeah, there's a competitiveness for sure that just comes. As soon as I start the race, it's fun and games. And then when I got about halfway, I'm like, all right, let's go here. Like, let's start right. passing some people and right. get out there.
0: Were you, now you're, are you on those sprints, There, it's got to be pretty full, full out, you know, anaerobic effort. I mean, you're, you're, you're pre, you're pegged the whole time. Although you said, you know, you're stopped to talk to the volunteers. But in between those spots, I imagine you're going. Are you going pretty much all out or are you saving a little bit or?
1: Well, it was the first one. So I didn't really know, like, I didn't want to, I wanted to leave something left in the tank because I, I didn't know the course. I didn't have it memorized. I guess there was a memo that went out the day before uh, showing you where every obstacle was. So if you kind of memorized a couple obstacles, you'd know where you were on the course. I, d- I did it very blind the first time, but I did, I did do it pretty hard. I don't do anything kind of half ass. Yeah. So I, I did it hard and yeah. the thing is you're only running you're only running maybe like you know 400 meters at a time and then you get to an obstacle so yeah. the running thing the running part wasn't a big deal you make up time doing the obstacles clean and getting through them and not getting penalized because if you have to do 30 burpees that takes probably 2 3 minutes out of your time plus you're exhausted after that so luckily I only missed one obstacle and but my buddies they missed eight obstacles so <laughs> they did over 200
0: burpees yeah. like that's just a whole new race right I, I mean i would imagine your level of fitness really suits this level of kind of competitive racing for you i mean would you have any other aspirations outside of this for example like i look at like the iron man series for you now maybe from a cardiovascular point of view that that maybe makes sense because you can swim bike run but with spartan you're lifting things climbing things you're using probably more suited strengths towards NHL, I would imagine, than, than so it's one sort of short burst and one's long burst, right? So, yeah. does that have any, I it, mean, does that like spark an interest or do you really dig this whole Spartan thing?
1: No, it's, it's the, the Spartan race, when I looked at it, it's tailor made for my body type. Yeah. It's, you have to be, there's only maybe four or five exercises that you have to be strong enough to lift things which are no problem, but you have to be able to handle your own body weight more importantly. So like scaling walls, climbing up ropes, uh, hurtling things. So for me, like I've always been able to handle my body weight. Well, it was, it was a, a good race and I can run five miles in my sleep. So yeah. it's a tailor-made race for me. My buddies had a little bit tougher time, but I'm just looking to, to check boxes. I'm just looking to like accomplish things. So yeah, Spartan here. Maybe I'll do an Ironman eventually, which would be a whole different level, I think, of training because it's a longer race and more grueling. But I'm just looking to accomplish as many things as I can.
0: I dig that, man. What about do you have? What about doing things like um, you know Kilimanjaro or is that like for bucket list for you? Does that matter? Those kind of things, like.
1: Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've thought Whitney. about that. I've had I've had the opportunity to do Mount Rainier in Seattle. Okay uh, a bunch of times and it just hasn't worked out with the hockey schedule and, and the training and the season and all that. So, uh, that's probably in the near future. There's this guy, um, that I met along the way, his name is Ed Vester, and he's the first American to climb. I think all you've heard of him. I know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. The first American to climb all 15 peaks over, uh, 8,000 meters without oxygen. So he's offered to take me up to bring I guess that's where he trains and that's home base for him so i'll do that eventually for sure
0: well there's like no better human well there's a couple guys but but he's he's certainly in rare company it's
1: a pretty special guy yeah good stories and uh he was an interesting guy we brought him in vancouver of the one year to kind of uh, be like a guest speaker uh, leadership kind of speaking and uh, i kept in touch with him and pretty pretty uh impressive guy
0: yeah, that's fantastic how cool is that yeah. So, you know, we've, we've, we've touched a bit on, on your sort of, uh, athletic endeavors outside of hockey and which obviously dovetail in with you keeping in shape for hockey. If, if it presents itself outside of that, have you started to contemplate, gosh, okay. If that, if this door to the NHL officially comes to a close, what does my life look like as far as, yeah, we've got these cool things we're checking off on, on, um, you know, again, the athletic pursuits, but from, a I don't know, philanthropic or, you know, business oriented, obviously you're, you're a super young guy, um, with your whole life ahead of you. Have you given any thought to what life looks like uh, professionally?
1: Yeah, I have. And I've been thinking about it for a couple of years and it's, it's something in professional sports. Now, obviously there's no guarantee and, and the next game could be your last with injury and everything. So it's been coming up a lot in the last couple of years. My wife asked me once in a while. I've had uh, some good mentors that have brought it up. So I, I continue to think about it. Um, like I said, I, I want to try almost everything and then see what I like. I'm not looking to jump into a career, so to speak, right away. And I've gotten some really good advice along those lines of take six months to a year and just be open, be you know free, do the things that you've never been able to do. And keep your, your eyes and ears open, though. So if there's opportunities and you feel like trying them, take it. So most recently I did, um, I was at the All-Star game for the NHL this past weekend in San Jose. And they asked me to go on the bench and, and do color commentating throughout the whole event, throughout the whole weekend. So um, I've done that before, but this was at obviously at a whole new level, being the All-Star game. So that's something that people have always asked me, do you want to get into broadcasting afterwards And I don't know the answer yet. I think I'll have to do a few more, but I tried it and I gave it a shot. And at least I know what to expect from it now. Yeah. And then on the other side, we spoke about, uh, I've had some opportunities to start my own podcast and I'm still kind of learning that whole business. I've been on, I think you're my third podcast I've ever been on, but I'm still pretty fresh to it and learning the ins and outs of that to see if that's something that I want to, you know, venture into. So, um, some commercial real estate, good contacts and friends that I could maybe get involved and in, learn that business a little bit more. So there's certainly a lot of options out there and I'm not going to limit myself to any of them.
0: Yeah. And I know you were, you're a finance guy, right? From Bowling Green. Now where you guys, you went and had your education, which I mean, I didn't hear that come out. It doesn't sound like you want to jump on board and be a CFO anywhere.
1: I mean, I, I don't think not right away. Um, the reason I'm not playing this year is I was looking for the right fit and I wanted to be close to my kids. My kids are eleven and nine, as you know, and I just didn't mm-hmm. want to miss any more of their life. And I've when you're playing, you're on the road half the time. So during the season. And then even when you're when I'm home during the season, you know, mentally sometimes I'm not all here and physically I have games at home just as much as on the road. So I'm gone, you know, I'm gone seventy five percent of the time. And it's been like that their whole lives. So I want to be around my kids taking on an opportunity or like a, a big commitment, like a CFO or CEO in the short term is probably not a smart thing for me. So I'm looking for a smaller project with smaller commitments right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you never know, like podcasts can maybe start out as a hobby and it could turn into a, you know, a full on gig on its own as, as, as any of those other things you mentioned. So, but, and I do like that advice and it was sort of similar, uh, I have similar path where I sort of just took some time, let some things kind of come to me as opposed to jumping into any one thing, any one lane in particular, and saying, "Gosh, there's." It's a pretty vast, um, you know, universe of possibilities out there, and I'm. I, I just want to see what opens up to me. You know, that was, and and it's I have, yeah. I
1: have like in in my mind, I have something in about ten years that I want to accomplish. I, like, I want to get into the management side of, of an NHL team, I think, and there's there's obviously a new team in Seattle coming into the league in a couple of years, and I've made a lot of connections over the years in this business where a lot of the guys that I played with or played against are starting to take these roles on as they retire and as they move up the chain and they start coaching and, and um, doing player development, they're moving up the chain. So in five, ten years, a lot of the guys that were friends of mine and ex-teammates and Uh, ex-peers are going to be in these positions and that's kind of where I want to maybe jump into uh, when my kids are older they're in university and then I have a little bit more flexibility so I I have a long-term goal Uh, how I get there we'll find out but I I, want to accomplish a bunch of stuff before
0: that yeah well that's a great game plan (laughs) so I I would like to spend a bit of time maybe in reverse here for a minute and just talk a little bit about your journey into the NHL and professional sports because I think you know, it's, it's sort of the rarest of the rare humans that walk around that actually get an opportunity like the one that you've had. And those opportunities are certainly hard, hard fought and well earned. And so I guess my, my first question to you would be, you know, and it's, it's not an atypical question, but like, did you know that you were special? Did you know you were gifted? Or did you just try to out hustle and outwork everyone? Like, how does that how does that path come to be in the first place?
1: Um, I don't to to know that I was special or gifted. No, like I never really thought about it that much. I always had like um, like driving to the rink, taking long car rides. I always daydreamed about the possibility of playing in the NHL one day. And I remember thinking to myself as I got older, like. It just felt so real. It just felt like it was something tangible and like I was going to accomplish it. I don't, I didn't know how because there were so many setbacks. But I just felt like deep down inside, why am I having, like, why am I able to dream about this if it's not going to happen? So deep, deep down inside, there was always something that felt like I was destined to play hockey professionally. But when I was a kid, I had two brothers. I was the middle child. We wrestled. We fought. We played every sport out there. I was just having fun. I was just being a kid, having fun. I played hockey. My dad coached me a lot. Um, I didn't really think about playing it for a career. Like you know, when you, when you're in the elementary school and they ask you, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" Right, and and everybody says firefighter, doctor, lawyer, all that <laughs> stuff. I was just like all well, those kids. I never said hockey player. Right. Like my son says that now. He grows up and he goes to, the, to school and says, "I want to be a hockey player." I was never like that. I just played hockey for fun. I didn't know where it was going to take me. So. You know, as I, when I got a scholarship into university and then I was playing there, I mean, I still didn't think I'd be able to play it full time professionally and, and just, you know, just keep chipping away at it and enjoying the whole process.
0: Yeah, but so as you're coming up, do you, um, you're doing this as an extracurricular thing as you're coming up through high school or was in Canada, is there high school? I don't know, forgive me. Yeah. Is there a high school? I imagine there's high school programs for, for hockey, right? That foster that. Are you on that? Team in high school, yeah. and, and how are you? Are you like mid-pack, or are you again? I, I always see these guys. I mean, I have kids now, and you, dude, at nine years old, ten years old, you know what kid on the baseball teams got the arm and got the ability to go to college right then and there? You know, I, f- I mean, obviously there's sleepers in between there, but like as far as your level, like were you already at a recognizable level? Like, okay, this kid's got some game, or like, where did you rank?
1: Yeah, so it's funny you asked that because. I had this conversation, we were in a hockey tournament in Vegas last weekend for my son's team, and we had this talk the whole drive home, because he seems to think it was real easy for me, but um, mm-hmm. I had I had some ups and downs. When I was seven, I played up two years. My older brother was two years ahead of me, and my dad coached him, and I was good enough to, to be on his team and to play with kids two years older, so I was good, right? Come around 8, 9, 10, I was one of the best kids in Ontario okay. uh, for, my, for my age group, right? So then I went and I pl- ended up playing at the highest level you can for minor hockey in Canada, which is called AAA. So I played AAA for three years, and um, my first year did really well. Second year, okay. Third year, not so good. You know, 14, 15 years old, I dipped a lot, right? Parents went through a divorce, um, not to use that as an excuse. I got older, you know, I had friends that I was hanging out with a little bit more. Things got different, right? So I took a dip there, and I found it at the end of the season. Finally, hopefully, I had a good playoffs, and then we had this thing called an under-17. So essentially, it was a tryout for Team Canada uh, as a 16-year-old. Did really well in that, and ended up going to play Junior A hockey. I mean, stop me if I'm boring you, like, with the... uh,
0: No, no, um, no. Well, again, let me just stop you here and say, now, at this point, are you starting to have more self belief and more, you know, is this leading to, you know, more drive and I want to work harder? Or are you still like, man, okay, yeah, this, I got some game, but I'm, I don't know. Like, where, where are you vacillating between, I think I can, and there's no way. Like, where are you now in the headspace?
1: Yeah, like, so when I was young, I thought, yeah, I'm really good. But again, like I said, I wasn't thinking about playing it full time. And then when I got to high school, and if you play high, high school hockey in Canada, it's not a big deal like it is in Minnesota and East Coast, where there's some really good programs. But high school hockey is not a big deal. So I played high school just for fun on the side because I wanted to play extra hockey. But AAA is, was where it's at, right? So when I got to high school and I made a decision, I got drafted by uh, the OHL team, which is kind of like the amateur league, where a lot of guys go from that to the NHL. So I got drafted to there, I went there, I made the team, but I decided not to, because if you play there, you lose your college eligibility, so you can't pursue a college scholarship, right? So I decided, with the help of my dad, that I wanted to pursue uh, an education, and I know, not put all my eggs in one basket and try to make the NHL, but let's go to college Let's see if I can get a free education, and then at least have a backup plan. So in high school, probably in grade 10-11, I started getting a little more serious with school and actually going. And making sure my grades were good enough to get past the NCAA Clearinghouse. So maybe, I, but still, I'm not thinking that I'm going to make it to the NHL. I'm thinking, I'm trying to get a scholarship here. I'm trying to get my education paid for in the States. Because in Canada, we don't give out athletic scholarships. We only give out academic ones like for smart people like my wife. So the other guys that <laughs> <laughs> have to try to get an, uh, an athletic one in the States like myself. So... Uh luckily I had a couple like good years in junior and I had a lot of offers and I was lucky I got to pick and choose which school I wanted to go to. I chose Bowling Green because it was it was about a five hour drive away. It was it was farther not far enough away from my my family, but not too far where they could still come out on weekends and watch me if they wanted to. Right. And it was a good program. It had a lot of guys that they had put in the NHL. So maybe now I'm starting to think NHL a little bit mm-hmm. when I get into college on a scholarship.
0: Right. And so from there, you you do that. And what is the eventual road to getting drafted or getting picked up by, a, by a, an, an NHL team?
1: So I played my first year of college, and at the end of the season, had a good year. And at the end of the season, um, the summer, I get drafted. So I get drafted by Vancouver. I didn't go to the draft. I didn't think I would get drafted. To me, again, it wasn't a huge deal because you get drafted. It's not like football where like when you get drafted – Depending on where you slot into that draft, that's what you're going to make for your contract and you're going to get an automatic. In hockey, so many players get drafted and never play. So a lot of times you get drafted, they just don't even talk to you for a couple of years. They let you develop. And then if you develop, they bring you in. And if you don't, they cut you loose kind of thing. So I got drafted after my first year. Didn't think a whole lot of it. Obviously, it was a bit of an honor. Uh, so I, I continued my next three years and I finished out my four years. And luckily after that, my agent got me into the the minor league team of Vancouver, the team that had drafted me. And then there's a whole new story about that that's gone public. But I ended up getting into a bar fight with a guy in the team the night before (laughs) the first game. And it just happened to be the right guy that was a bad teammate and a bad guy. And I won the fight. And the general manager found out and really liked the fact that we got into it. And I mean, things worked out after that. But I I had some brain. Everyone gets breaks that makes it, right?
0: Yeah.
1: But, yeah, I got an interesting story. It would take a couple podcasts to get through the whole
0: thing. <laughs> I just, so quickly, are you still, do you keep in contact with the guy you, that you got in that notorious bar fight with to this day? Or
1: No, he's he's been living in Russia for the last 20 years. But after the fight for the next, whatever, five, six weeks that I was there, we were fine. Like, we went out for breakfast or lunch a couple times. Like, we weren't we were the best of friends, but... I, um, I have no problems, uh, dropping a grudge. If, if I, if I fight you, usually I, I respect you. So like on the ice, that is usually I don't, I don't fight people off the ice. That's uh, I'm not a goon, but <laughs> it, it happened that one time, I'm not proud of it, but, uh, we were fine. We buried the hatchet after that.
0: That's cool. And I do, uh, I want to get to a couple of, I mean, it's look, man, it's, it's the typical thing, but I got to know from a guy who's such a wimp, um, you know, talking to a guy who threw a Superman punch and KO'd a dude, or TKO, right? Um, yeah, the Goudas punch, right? Uh, we'll get there in a second, but I just want to follow up on your finalizing your your eventual road to the NHL. It seems almost like you have these steps that are like anticlimactic, like like you said, like yeah, whatever. You kind of got placed on the team, but then maybe there's a chance they don't talk to you for a while, and then yeah, then maybe you kind of get a break, but there's gotta be these moments of elation, right? And validation for you that, okay, maybe I, maybe I am good enough. Maybe I do have what it takes. And then all that, all the while, are you working your ass off? Or are you still kind of like, I'm, I'm putting in what I can put in. I, I'm trying to get my education over here. And, and this hockey thing, yeah, it's in the back of my mind. And it's it's sort of secondary because I don't, I don't quite know yet. Or did you?
1: I mean, I think to answer that question, I'm basically saying I wasn't really thinking about the things that I couldn't control the whole time. I was always and to answer the one question you said. Yeah, I was. I was the hardest worker. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever worked harder than me. I made sure that I was going to be the strongest guy on the team, the best conditioned guy. Uh, that was that was just non negotiable as far mm-hmm. as I was concerned. So my whole summers in college were dedicated towards training. So. I would train twice a day all summer. I would come back. I'd win all the fitness tests and I would do that every single year and think nobody's going to outwork me Mm -hmm. if if I don't make it because, you know, I'm not good enough or I don't get the opportunity. Great. I could live with that, but I'll never be a guy. And I mean, I started developing some nicknames because I was in good shape and everything, but I I was always going to be the guy that was going to outwork every single guy. So, um, and then after that, I just chip away and, School was a big thing to me, too. I was, you know, and I know we kind of had to, but I was front row of every class, didn't miss any classes, yeah. you know, the occasional one here or there. if Like, we had to fly to Alaska on a Wednesday night, so obviously I'd have to miss class Thursday and Friday, but
0: yeah,
1: uh, we were, you know, I had some, some of my roommates that I lived with that were on the team as well. We had a couple of roommates that we all did really, really well in school and were on the dean's list all four years. So I basically take everything serious that I do. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. On the training side, was that did you have a trainer or was that all just self motivation and just like getting up, getting it done, getting after it and and how did did you know to do your own programming like how did how did you if you got yourself into that shape how did you do that
1: so grade ten, I had a really good um teacher that it, the course was called super fitness, so it was basically like my introduction to to weightlifting and to like, we did a lot of rowing back then on the rowing machine. So he was really good. He was a a CIA football, you know, um, MVP athlete. He was a running back back in the day. So he knew what he was doing and he taught my best buddy and I, who ended up pursuing football and I went hockey. He taught us kind of everything we knew from, from the start. And from there, um, I was always very self-motivated. I I I run every day. I would just I could always push myself. I didn't need somebody telling me what to do. I didn't need somebody yelling at me. When we go to university, you have a strength coach, so you have a team strength coach who would give you the workouts during the season. Well, in the summer, you're in the summer, you're on your own, right? They'll they'll give you like a general template. And back then, it still was like new to the it wasn't new to the sport of hockey, but not everybody was training in the summer, right? Not like it is today. So I was self-motivated. I worked out by myself. I went to the local gym. My best buddy who was training for football was usually there. And we'd stay till, you know, till the gym closed. We closed the gym on weekends. Guys were all going out and meeting up with buddies and going to the bar. And we were closing up the gym and chugging big jugs of water. Yeah, it, it was fun for me. Like, I enjoyed it. I always say if you're working hard towards something, you got to enjoy the process. And I, I loved it. I enjoyed it. And we just grinded away. And we just knew that we would accomplish something one day.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you still love it to this day. I mean, doing, you know, putting in work and doing the Spartan deal and, and staying in game shape. Um, it's clearly, you know, part of your DNA. Like you said, it's, 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 it's in there. It's deep, deep in there. Uh, yeah. And so, okay, so you eventually uh, get your spot um, with the Canucks, right? And you are there for 13, 10 years.
1: 10 years in Vancouver, yeah. 10
0: years and then 13 to date yeah, and then I got, then we got traded. Uh,
1: we came to Anaheim, played three years there, and this would be uh, now. This is the first kind of half a year out. So, yeah, it's it was a it was a long career. I had a year, a year and a half in the minors there, where the NHL. I don't know you probably don't remember in 2004 there was a full season lockout. So the yeah. the, the owners locked out the players. That's never happened, and and for whatever reason they announced it right off the start of the season, They're like whole season's gone. Like we're not negotiating; it's we're we're scrapping it. So, the AHL, which is the the kind of the farm team, the farm system for the NHL, was basically the best league in the world that year. So, I went to try out their camp there for the Vancouver affiliate and wasn't supposed to make that; was penciled in to play, actually for Idaho in the East Coast League, and I don't had Idaho Steelheads, I think they're called. You go, right? Yeah. Yeah. Are they still there?
0: They're still Probably here. Still yeah. I have yeah. yet to go see a game, but yeah, they're they're here and I that's on my list.
1: Yeah, so I, I but I made I had a really good camp and I just stole somebody's spot. Right. They had guys that were slotted in there. I just took his spot because I played so well. And that season I had an unbelievable season. And that basically so to answer your question from before, that's when I knew I could play in the NHL. Okay. I had that here in the HL, and yep. I was, you know, one of the best players on my team and one of the best. Rookies in the whole league. Um, I knew that there was I could play in the NHL. It was just a matter of time, a matter of getting the opportunity and making the best out of it. So the, the following year, excuse me, I think I made the team at a camp, but I suffered the first of many bad injuries. Uh, the first one was a high ankle sprain, and I missed two and a half months at the start of my what was supposed to be my first season. So I was devastated, and they sent me back to the affiliate in Winnipeg to kind of rehab and get some into game shape. And I thought it was the end of my career. I thought I wasn't going to get another chance. I'd just been engaged, uh, and I was about to get married in the next summer. So I'm thinking, you know, I thought I'd be in the NHL all year, making some money, be able to pay for this wedding that mm. my wife wants and, <laughs> and I want. But so there was that was another emotional roller coaster, right? And then things worked out. Got called up, and and made the best out of it.
0: Yeah, and t- so I found a pretty crazy stat, and you may or may not agree, but so it says um, 50% of players in the NHL play less than 100 games, 4% of players, that's one out of 25, dress up for more than 1,000 a a thousand games, and you're a veteran of 808 games. That's- I count
1: playoffs, so, so I'm, I'm over 900 with
0: playoffs, yeah. I think okay.
1: playoffs are twice as hard. Than regular season games, and they should almost count for double. But, right. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of I, I feel fortunate for sure. I have played with so many guys over the years, like you said, where we call it a cup of coffee. So they had a cup of coffee in the NHL. And they're
0: out, yeah. 50
1: games, 40 games, 30 games, and then maybe they got sent down or maybe they got injured or traded. And it's hard to stick it for a living because it's so competitive and there's so many people out there.
0: And you, with 13 years under your belt, I mean, and obviously you've had some injuries, there's wear and tear. Um, but still a relatively young guy. Like, do you do you have any long term nagging injury? You feel healthy? You feel good? Or, you know, how, how are you holding up?
1: I feel I feel amazing now today. And we talked the one day on the way to uh, Palm Springs for a round of golf. Yep. And uh, I've had every every injury out there. And I mentioned the high ankle sprain early in my career. The next year, uh, sorry, two years later, I lacerated my Achilles. So that was fully lacerated uh, woke up from surgery and the doctor says I might not ever play again 25 years old at the time obviously that was devastating just had my son uh, two years later after recovering from that which took you know I came back and played in three months and 21 days which was stupid probably it was too early but it took me a full year to get back from that to be a hundred percent so that was a grind and then two years later I do the other side with another skate slicing the open so now I got to do that all over again, and it's twice as hard the second time because you know how long and how hard and tedious it's going to be. Right. And I mean, I've broken both feet twice. I've uh, broken my nose, shoulder problems, long, you know, abdominal tears. I've had it all. Right. So nine, those nine hundred games are nine hundred tough, hard fought games. Right. Like I should be at, like eleven 1, hundred, but I've I've had a lot of injuries, and that's part of it, though. Like I I never really was too upset about you know being injured it was just the missing the time or whatever but everything heals and i always did everything the doctors asked me and i always pushed through it and now i feel great like i i have some aches and some pains in some places where i've had injuries but i wake up every day and i still think i could do anything
0: yeah yeah no, that's that's awesome man um so speaking of aches and pain let's talk fighting for a minute because because i have to (laughs) Mm -hmm. because Because I don't get it, man. I don't. I don't get it. Um, so I, my. Let's start with, let's start with the the Superman punch that was like what not so long ago, right? A year ago. I did
1: two last year. You did. Uh, I've done <laughs> right. I've done them for fifteen years, but I had two really, really perfect, ideal ones last year that everybody saw. Which yeah, which is why we, we're talking about it now.
0: Yeah. So, but again. I go to like, why did he do the Superman punch? I mean, that's like an MMA move. Do you know how to? Do you know? Do you train with any MMA guys? Did you pick it up watching a UFC fight and figure it out? Like, how did? And then at that moment, how do you like throw that out of your back pocket? Like, okay, I got it. I'm gonna Superman punch him.
1: So I'm like, I'm like from the school of hard knocks, right? So I've I learned the tough way, fighting, you know, fighting at the streets of Hamilton and hockey fights growing up and I've always, but I've always been, I think smart enough to know that you got to watch other people what other people are doing. So I've always studied fighting. I've always been intrigued by it. I love the chess game of it. I watched um, UFC my whole life. And when, when the show came out, the ultimate fighter, I've watched every, I don't anymore, but I watched every season of that. So yeah, I started practicing moves and I thought if I'm going to be fighting in the NHL, against really tough guys, and it's dangerous because you're hand-to-hand combat, there's no gloves, then I'm going to oh, I'm gonna prepare. Just like everything else in my life, I'm going to over-prepare. So I started watching guys' fights and knowing everybody's tendencies, just in case, right? Like, why not? And then I started practicing a couple moves. And I always thought in a fight, and it goes back to Mike Tyson saying that, like, uh, the fight doesn't start until you get hit, right? Everyone's got a plan. Sorry, it was everyone has a plan until they get hit in a fight. So I started thinking the first punch is a pretty important punch. So if you watch guys in hockey fights historically, everyone wants to go in and they want to grab the other guy because there's a comfort level. Now it's like jiu-jitsu. Now you're, you're mm-hmm. able to control the guy's arms. You can feel when he's punching. You can protect yourself. You can hold him. So I started thinking I'm going to throw coming in every time because nobody else is. Mm-hmm. And all the other guy's trying to do is grab me. So I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna throw a punch and I'm gonna put him on the defense right away. If I connect, great, I'm gonna have the advantage. But if I don't, I still have the advantage because he's already on defense. So that's yeah. kind of where the mentality was. So I practiced it. I did it a couple times off the ice. And I'm not proud of. Um, and then <laughs> I did it a lot of times on the ice. And sometimes I missed, sometimes I didn't. But it's just I'm just having fun out there.
0: Yeah, no, it looks like it for sure. Has there ever been a situation or anyone that, you know, that was on an opposing team and you were thinking to yourself, uh, you know, I don't really want to fight that guy either because he was your friend or you just knew that he hit super hard. Do you have an example yeah. of that?
1: Well, both, right? Because like I grew up with a lot of tough guys too. So when we started playing against each other in the NHL, uh, for me, and I'm lucky, I never had to fight a friend because that would be probably the hardest thing. But I've fought guys and become good friends with them after. So th- that's a little bit different, a little bit easier for me. Like I've fought guys and then they've been traded to my team or I've went to their team and we've become good friends. Our wives have been good friends, our kids. And then I actually had a teammate. I had a teammate uh, that I fought in Vancouver when he played for Anaheim. Then I came to Anaheim and we were teammates for a year. Then he left. And then we fought again last year when he was playing for another team. And his wife was in the stands in Anaheim when we played. And my wife was there and they're friends. And he asked me in a really nice way, like, hey, like, do you want to have, you know, could you give me a fight? Like, I kind of need one. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, sure, I'll give you a fight. He goes, but you don't have to if you don't want to. And I go, well, no, like, I don't, I don't want to fight you. But if you're asking me, like, the answer is yes. So we ended up fighting. And then after, we're, like, laughing about it. So... I guess that's the only time I have ever fought a friend, but I still wanted to punch him in the face a little bit. So, <laughs> but no, there's been there's been guys though that have yeah that you're for sure you're worried about if we're gonna fight this is gonna be a good one and I've fought a lot of tough guys so they all you you worry about them uh, all of them a little bit but I like fighting I don't know it's weird I know it's weird to say and you don't get it but I just I don't mind getting hit like I like getting hit.
0: I kind of wish I liked getting hit. I mean, I recently started jiu-jitsu maybe a year ago, and I'm really enjoying uh, being able to have a little bit of confidence to be able to handle myself in a situation. Certainly for me, it's got to go to the ground for me to have any kind of chance at all. And really right now it would be mostly sort of to neutralize any kind of threat as opposed to really hurting anyone. But I, I do feel a little more confident than i did a year ago but again to just stand and throw i just i'm not there and i don't know if i'll ever be
1: there um yeah well I, standing and throwing is a chess uh or sorry not a chess match that's just flipping a, a you know, rolling a dice basically so when you get comfortable with the actual notion of fighting it becomes more of a chess game and then if you have to take a punch if you have to take a punch, then I always thought, like, I love being challenged. We, I think, if anything, people will get that from us. I love to be challenged. So getting hit and continuing to fight and not give up, to me, is, like, the ultimate challenge, right? Yeah. Brings us back to our prehistoric times.
0: So have you ever had a situation where you were maybe a guy got the best of you on the ice, and then there was, you know, a lot of smack talking, jawing back and forth, even post? And, and has it ever carried off the ice onto the parking lot afterwards or does it not go down like that
1: no not for me i mean it's it's pretty business like when you fight and you'll see most guys today after the fight's over very rarely are they still mad at each other i think there's a mutual respect and there's kind of like you give usually you give each other a pat and you go to the penalty box and then you laugh in the box about it so
0: yeah
1: it's uh, now and it's it's not as big a part of a game anymore but no like that's never i've never seen that happen to me I've seen other guys almost get to the point, but it's never spilled over.
0: What about just being seriously riled up and being like, dude, I I really want to hurt this guy. Or is it still, again, a little more uh, gentlemanly and and sort of like, okay, it's business. We're going to take care of what we got to do. And then it stays here. But you're just been super pissed and like, I really want to punch that guy in the face.
1: Oh, a lot of times. And sometimes the guys that you're super pissed of, you can't fight because they won't fight you. So it's almost even more infuriating. But there's been guys, a lot of times, like I said, and I think I've been in um, maybe 85 professional fights uh, in hockey. And sorry, I'm just walking to plug my phone in as well. But um, I'd say the majority of those were just, they just kind of happened or it was strategic uh, and there's no ill feelings, but I'd say maybe like five of those were where I really wanted to hurt the guy badly. Yeah. And the one time I, the one time I broke this guy's orbital bone, uh, and he, he was out, he had surgery and I don't think he ever played in the NHL again. And I didn't feel bad about that at all. Yeah. <laughs> like I was, I was so mad at the guy. He cheap shotted me and I didn't like it. And then when we ended up fighting, I got him really good. But m- the majority of the times, um, I would pat the guy after it'd be like good job and you go to the box because he's got a family and, and wife and kids. I have a wife and kids. We're doing our jobs. Yeah. And it's a part of the business most of the time.
0: Do you ever think about this sort of philosophical aspect of fighting in the NHL? In other words, yeah, okay, there's bench clearing brawls in baseball and you know, in the NFL guys will grab helmets and kind of rattle them back and forth and it kinda of stops. But in the NHL, the referee will, for the most part, be a mediator until it goes to the ground and then it's broken up. Do you ever think about sort of the, the – wh- why why that is and why it's sort of – I know it's 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 cultural and, and it's – but I, I, I think it's just a fascinating and very enjoyable part of the experience. And not that I certainly it's, would look forward to it during a game, but – when it breaks out, Hey man, I'm certainly the first one to stand up and be excited about it. But you ever think about like the, the broader philosophical aspects of why the heck that's allowed and, and part of the culture.
1: Yeah. Well, so like we, we talk about this all the time and it's been up to for debate a lot, especially in the last 15 years, because there are a lot of people that are saying, why is there fighting allowed? There's no fighting allowed in society. You can't just fight a guy uh, that you don't like. Um, and why is it allowed in hockey? Well, the reason it's allowed in hockey is obviously there's a traditional component to it. It's been around forever. But if you think about it, there it, it's a purity thing. Like if there's a purity to the game that if the fighting was gone, wouldn't be there. So, for instance, we all have sticks in our hands. We're all allowed to actually hit each other, just like in football, right? But if somebody's running around, and he's hitting somebody dirty, or he's hitting somebody smaller than him, or he's hitting like an 18 year old rookie. How do you keep that guy honest? you think him getting a two-minute penalty really keeps him honest? What keeps a guy honest is knowing that he'll have to answer to somebody and potentially get beat up in a fight, right? So it's like it polices the game. Yeah. It polices the game without um, you know any other threat other than his personal safety. So the, there's fines set up, and you know you got the, the NHL guys are making millions of dollars, and like the maximum fine for like any kind of a hit is like five thousand dollars that's not going to put a dent in anyone's pockets that are making millions per year. So how else do you keep guys from taking liberties on other people? and doing dirty things. It's the threat of having another guy, you know, and a lot of times it's consensual. Most of the time it's consensual, uh, which is fine because there's a strategy to it. Like my team's not playing very well. I want to wake them up. If I go have a good fight and the crowd gets into it, maybe it'll wake up some of my guys. That's the strategy side. But the part that I'm talking about, which why I think it needs to remain in there to some degree is it keeps everybody honest. I think it keeps everyone like, how great is it? And as I, you know, venture into retirement and you can't do that in everyday life, how great is it when someone hits you or does something dirty to you or says something to you and you can just say, hey, do you want to fight? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) And then you fight and you punch each other in the face. And then after the fight, you feel great. You both go to the box and problem solved let's move on <laughs> like wouldn't wouldn't the world be great if you could do that and it was somehow police with referees
0: yeah right? i mean you, you make a very compelling point there i i I, uh, I think there would be um there's room for that i don't know we got <laughs> we need to we need to think more on that how we how we implement that to and tweak do...
1: it a little bit yeah. tweak it a little bit for idaho but i think there's a place for it
0: well here's the thing with idaho though everyone here's packing bro Like it's an open carry state. It's, it's pretty wild. So I would imagine there's very few uh, tangles out here because everyone knows you either got one on you or one in your car or 15 in your house. So So that's the
1: same kind of, that's the same kind of thing I'm talking about though. Right. It keeps everybody honest because everybody has a gun and you know, you can't just go rob a, a person or go vandalize somebody's car because you could be, you could be shot. There could be repercussions. Like it's almost the exact same thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I I dig your explanation. I I'm, you know, again from a guy that's got 88, 85 fights, you have a good perspective on that. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> so as far as like your you know, your your lifestyle choices, what I, I try to do for, for the listeners out there too, and we've talked a little bit about some of your um your endeavors in fitness and, and how you sort of approach that and you know, the mentality of sort of oh, I'm gonna outwork everyone and I think that's a great um that's a great nugget. Um, for people to to be uh, paying attention to. What other types of healthy habits do you have? This could be wide ranging, right? This could be meditations and, you know, forcing yourself, uh, you know, your, your reading time and, and, or just, you know, certain amount of hours allocated to sleeping or, you know, your dietary habits or what are some of those things you might be able to share with us?
1: I think just having good habits in general and all the books you read about success and, you know, Warren Buffett and all these very, you know, Uber successful people is they all have what they all have in common is good habits. So whatever that may be. So for me, like I always try to, I mean, we we go to late movies sometimes, but we're usually in bed by 11 o'clock and I get my eight hours sleep and I wake up early and a good breakfast, get the kids off to school, a workout right away. So It's just over and over again, repetitive, good habits, right? Setting myself up for success. If I don't do that and I don't, you know, whether if I sleep in or I don't work out or I don't eat a good breakfast, I just feel lousy the rest of the day. And I'm not even able to function. I'm not able to use my brain. So, you know, continuing to do the the right things every day, even though I'm not playing right now, I'm still taking care of my body because I think that's a, a huge thing. If you can take care of your body and your mind, everything else will follow so just having good habits in everything you do
0: yeah no no doubt i mean kind of along the, the same line of questioning you know what what do you feel like has been some of the greatest life lessons or gifts that playing professional sports has given you that you think you'd carry in for the rest of your life
1: I've dealt with so much adversity over the years, over those 13 years, and I played counting the minors. It's been 15 years of pro hockey. There's been so many ups and downs, and it's been a roller coaster ride. And I've learned along the way just maybe an even keelness, not to get too high with the good things, and not to get too low with with the uh, the downs, and and just kind of persevere. And uh, I mean, you can. Accomplish pretty much anything you want, but it's sometimes it's not going to be easy, sometimes it is like parenting, for instance, is a pretty, pretty difficult thing. Yeah, come to find out exactly what to tell your kids in what situation. Like, it's hard, yeah. And you just do the best job you can, and you try not to, you know, pat yourself on the back when things work out too much, and try not to get too down on yourself when you maybe tell your kids the wrong thing and they go out and. And and do something at school and get suspended, right? <laughs> Not talking from personal experience. But <laughs> no, no maybe way. One
0: <laughs>
1: maybe one day. Who knows? Yeah. So.
0: Um, do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you like to recite to yourself?
1: I, I, I like be the change from Gandhi. I just think – I just hate to be a person that tells somebody else. Like I'd rather just go do something myself. And if I want to change something or I want to say something, I'd rather – go do it myself. I, I enjoy leadership and, and, and reading about leadership and, uh, inquiring about it from different people and conversations there. Like, I just think that, and that goes back to the good habits, be a, you know, be a good person, do things the right way and everybody else will follow.
0: Yeah. I think one that's fitting and for this, and I, I don't know if I've said it on prior podcasts, but one of my favorite quotes that I've ever heard is, um, we do not rise to the level of our expectation, but rather we fall back to the level of our training.
1: That's a good one, too. Who said that?
0: I'm not sure. Yeah, no. I'm I, not sure. I don't want to get it wrong, but maybe Marcus Aurelius. Okay. Um, That's I think interesting. I we'll look that one up. Maybe I'll put that one in the show notes for those that are curious. But yeah. we got to verify that. We do. We'll verify it. We will. <laughs> All right, so I want to – you've spent some some quality time with me, and I appreciate it. I, I want to ask you three quick questions. These are uh, – this is the segment called Questions from My Kids. So All right. uh, my son Jack – This could be
1: dangerous. This could be dangerous.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I think Josie's question is a little dangerous. Jack wants to know, how old were you when you knew that you loved hockey and wanted to do it as your job? I mean, I feel like we've covered this a little bit, but if you have like a one sentence, right, that would be great.
1: Yeah, I, I started skate. first time I skated was 18 months old, uh, and we used to skate on the frozen lake in Ontario. What? So I have pictures of me, 18 months old, and I wouldn't call it skating. It was probably more walking. But I'm out there with my dad and my brothers, and it was a frozen uh, bay of Lake Ontario. And that's where I learned how to skate, and I loved it right away, and i continued to play my whole life.
0: And from the time that you were 18 months, was that something that you did with a decent amount of frequency? I mean, would you get oh, out there? Yeah, we, and...
1: skated. we skated a lot. Like it was wow. just my dad
0: and my dad never played
1: pro hockey, but he, he took it up when he was 15 and just loved it. And so naturally my brothers and I followed in his footsteps and we just, we played a lot of road hockey and, you know, big snowbanks in Ontario in the winter, we body check each other in the snowbanks, and it'd be a little slippery from the ice. And then if it was, you know, if it was flooded, we would, we put our skates on and just, it's just a part of the culture in
0: Canada. Yeah. Wow, that's insane! <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so my daughter Josie um, wants to know: Have you ever taken your stick and hit the goalie in the nuts? <laughs> Not on purpose. That was her question.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good question, Josie. <laughs> I don't know why you're thinking about <laughs> hitting hitting people with sticks, especially there. But we don't we always tell our kids that you don't hit any, you don't hit guys in the nuts?
0: Well, so oddly enough, yeah, I I do. But uh, you know, seeing that she's my only girl and my princess, I do tell her like, hey, if you're getting in a comfortable uncomfortable situation, you can go ahead and just give them a swift kick and run. That's
1: how you end it.
0: Yep. Okay so i'll pass that on to my daughter too then <laughs> yeah, fair enough
1: but and then she'll use it against me though if she's ever in an argument with me and i, I don't need that <laughs> no you don't
0: uh and little georgie uh wants to know have you ever fallen during a game and i would add have you ever had like an embarrassing trip on the ice like for no reason and then like just been heckled by everyone on the bench
1: I, I haven't. and and that's a very common question that people ask, what's the most embarrassing moment of your career? And when you're you're skating out for introductions and the spotlight's on you, because at the start of every season, they introduce the the roster at the beginning of the first home game. And I'm always so nervous about that moment because I don't want to fall and have that be the moment. So luckily, I've never fallen in a, in a moment of the spotlight. But I've scored on my own net before. That's kind of embarrassing.
0: <laughs> that's pretty good.
1: <laughs> Not intentional, but like pucks has gone off my skate or off my stick a couple times. And yeah, that happens to a lot of defensemen. But yeah. those don't those don't feel good at all. Right. I mean, we know it's your fault, and the goalie looks at you, and he feels bad, so he doesn't want to say anything to you. But you both know that that's your fault. Right. So that's that. Those are embarrassing moments for sure. All right.
0: Well, thank you for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. Um, I look forward to you and the family coming out, hanging out with us in Idaho. And, um, oh, by the way, if, if someone wants to, if you care, I don't know if you have anything to actively promote, if you share your social handle out, or if you have any call to actions and it's perfectly fine to say, no, I'm good. But if you have any, you want to throw out there, now's the time to do it.
1: I mean, I don't need to to promote anything or plug anything, but I am like, I don't use social media a whole lot, but if I am doing any broadcasting or any appearances or anything, it's always on at KBXA uh, for Twitter. I don't, uh, my Instagram's private. Um, I've been working broadcasting with Sportsnet, which is the the big media outlet in Canada. Hockey Night in Canada is the show that I've been uh, doing some of the games on. If anybody's wondering uh, what the future holds, I'm, I'm working the trade deadline. So I'll be doing a panel in Toronto covering the trade deadline, which I believe is February 24th. Uh, for the nhl it's the last day i think it's noon and that's the end of the trades for the year so i'll be covering all the action there and all the guys and telling some stories and, and that's kind of the, probably the next time you'll see me publicly
0: cool well Kevin, this was super fun and uh you know best of luck with everything i'm sure we'll be keeping in touch and um all right man thanks for coming on today
1: all right thanks right. pleasure's all mine bud
0: cheers